This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome to Speak for Yourself, Marcel Swally, E. Manuel Ocho. Let's get to the huge news. I mean huge in college football, where it's official. In a big shakeup in college football last night, USC and UCLA's application to join the Big Ten was accepted. They'll leave the Pac-12 and start playing in their new conference in 2024. Now we're joined by a man who won the Heisman Trophy at USC, Fox College football analyst Matt Liner, but Acho. We got we to bring him on out here. Come on out here. Acho, first, though, what's your reaction to USC and UCLA moving to the Big Ten? What's and up, Matt brother? Liner moving to our set. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm about to shocked by the moves right? I am seeing Matt yeah, here. Right, right. Uh, it's good to see you, dude, first and foremost. Me, of course. Yeah, man. man, I think it's huge. I think it's huge for the state of college football. I think it's huge for USC. I think it's huge for UCLA. My question truly, Matt, just bringing you in, coming out hot, is I'm concerned about the nostalgia of it all. I remember I was at Texas when we had a conference realignment. Nebraska leaves, uh, Missouri leaves, Texas A&M leaves. Mm -hmm. Texas is known for playing Texas A&M. When I think about USC, I think about guys like Matt Leinert, the Bush push, Notre Dame. I think about uh, Fresno State ball behind the back. (laughs) I think about all those different matchups within the pack. I'm so excited for the future, but I always wonder, what's a guy like you think about the nostalgia of the past? Yeah, it's a good point. I think the traditionalists of college football are probably not happy with all of the realignment and, and now us it's, it takes time to get used to usc ucla being a part of the big 10 i've gotten like <laughs> I've gotten so many text messages i knew you were always a bit brady quinn i knew you were always a big 10 guy kind of like, no, i'm not a midwest guy but um you look I, I think it's the new norm it's where college football is shifting uh you know there's still going to be you know usc plays ohio state that there's a lot of nostalgic to that for the history of some of those Rose Bowl games in yep. USC, Michigan. So, so we do, and by we, the PAC does have a, a, a history with Big Ten. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think it, it, we have to kind of, like, jump on the bandwagon and start to follow where college football is shifting. Yeah. OU and Texas, your boys, <laughs> they kind of were the first domino last year to announce, hey, we're going to the SEC. Yeah. We're going to go there for the reasons that we're going there. Um, and USC and UCLA are doing the same exact thing for, for, for their schools and their institutions to join the Big Ten. I think it helps them. I think it helps the Big Ten. And, you know, look, we're, we're going towards a, a NFL-style model. I, I really believe go. college football is going to be that. Two mega conferences, transfer portals, free agency already. Yeah. Um, it, this is where we're shifting in college athletics. Yeah, I got to bring the same energy that, I guess, the Big Ten and you got to think about what UCLA and USC is feeling right now, which is is static in terms of the expansion. How extensive this really is in terms of the conference. Now, if you talk about now, if you're in the Big Ten, you can go west. Mm -hmm. And if you're one of the Blue Bloods, USC and UCLA, you can go east. And I know you heard this a thousand times while you were an active player on USC's team. 
man, we can't catch you guys because you know what? We're on the <laughs> East Coast. Well, now you got the Blue Bloods from L.A. going to where the headquarters is in Chicago, yep. Midwest, and also affecting the East Coast market in New York and playing against Rutgers potentially. So now you have the whole coverage in terms of marketing and in terms of your expansion. To me, this is ginormous. We already know the revenue is yep. going to speak to it. The ratings are going to speak yep. to it. But also the competition level, we're going to see some of the premier programs finally get to see it out on that field. Well, you know, the most exciting thing for me is you said we're going to see. And the operative word is see. So many players in the pack have for so long said, yo, nobody watches us play because of the time in which we play. I'm reminded of... Derrick Henry winning the Heisman Trophy. I'm sure you're familiar. Christian McCaffrey balled that year. Christian McCaffrey was a dude Mm -hmm. that year for Stanford. Mm -hmm. His numbers were unheard of, unheralded, unparalleled. But nobody ever saw McCaffrey play because of the time of the games. And so as a result, you don't see McCaffrey until the bowl games. It's not a long enough leeway to really understand how valuable he is. I don't think we'll have that issue anymore. It's, it's, it's exposure. Uh, it's, it, the Big Ten now will be the only national conference from East Coast to West Coast. So yeah. teams like USC and UCLA who, you know, when you're in the Pac-12, like you said, the, 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 the time of the games and the East Coast guys, they're not watching a 7.30 Pacific kickoff. <laughs> they're just not. I don't no. care if it's the number one team. Like you, they're not watching USC play. So now that national audience from, from both coasts is huge. USC, Ohio State, USC, Michigan, Michigan State, like, like though, that is a national game with a national audience. Like, so, so it's huge for them. The exposure of the student athletes now, and look at NIL, like mm-hmm. obviously LA market is huge, but now, you know, going to Ohio State, going to some of these games, and, and, and the Big Ten teams coming out to LA. I mean, that's huge for well, them. Well, then let, let's, get, let's go here we because go. we always talk about the excitement of moves like this, and there is a ton of excitement. But for the guys at USC and the guys at UCLA, it's a lot more pressure to be good. Let's yeah. talk about Nebraska. When Nebraska was in the Big 12, remember, Nebraska and Dominican Sioux played against us in the Big 12 championship game. We were trying to go to the national championship. Nebraska was trying to win a Big 12 championship. Nebraska leaves the Big 12, goes to the Big 10, and they've been struggling to stay afloat for years now, struggling to find a quarterback. You get a new head coach, Scott Frost, struggling to win ball games. Mm -hmm. USC is always and forever USC. Yeah. But on the football field, USC hasn't been dominant enough yet. I love me some Lincoln Riley. Love their strength coach, Benny Wiley. But now, how much pressure is on SC to be good? Yeah, I mean, look, they haven't been competitive, and I'll be the first. It's been almost a disappointment to to be a USC fan, alumni, over the last six, seven years. But first of all, Lincoln has done a great job already. I spent a lot Hmm. of time over there, gotten to know him. I got to know him over, you know, when he was at Oklahoma covering them, obviously. But and Benny Wiley is fantastic. He is a, he is a man. But there, it's going to take time. I think this year, this is a team that's going to be in the hunt for a Pac-12 championship. It just is because they have Caleb. They have some big-time players. They have to stay healthy. But you go into the Big Ten, it's a whole other ballgame. It, it is. Yeah. But it, you make the Nebraska comparison, too. I think what this does for teams like USC and UCLA, and even in Nebraska, it, it, it opens their footprint and their exposure in L.A. now. So Nebraska, right. which is difficult to recruit to Nebraska right now, mm-hmm. but it opens your market over to L.A. Now you, you're playing in front of big-time L.A. recruits or California recruits. You're playing in the Coliseum in front of 80,000 people. That helps in recruiting. That helps them get more exposure on that audience. The same for USC and UCLA going over to the Midwest and going to play at Michigan and at Ohio State. But from, from your, your question, Ach, is, is competitive. Yeah, it, it's 
It's, it's going to be like Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC. Yeah. Hey, Texas got a lot of work to do when they get yeah. to the SEC. Don't take it Oklahoma, Oklahoma yeah. as well. Like, Stop smiling. No, I mean, you're doing, doing too much. You're doing too much smiling. You're making a serious point. Even having this conversation, and you're greeting too much. But you guys signed up for this. Like, your letters are intense for the USC and the Texas. And now we can't talk about competition. I didn't sign that letter of intent on purpose. Columbia. I know about competition. Let me get away from that. Let me be the big fish in a little pond. I think you did all right. You did all right. Well, it ends up that way. But that's the whole point of this. You have to have that alignment with those who are at the top. And you're talking about the super conferences yep. right now we have gone from five power conferences to two super conferences as you mentioned yep. afc nfc nfl model is now hitting college yep. football so there's no deterrent because you can see in the revenue you can see in the ratings there were 18 games where they had three and a half million viewers or more for big team yep. games mm-hmm. they had two in the pac-12 yep. oh, yeah. so, it, it, so Everywhere you look, it just makes more sense to go. It, it makes more sense. The, the, the ratings, the, the national exposure, but the competition, too. Like, like the, the, the Pac-12, it just hasn't been at that level of play yeah. for a long time. I think there's been only a few Pac-12 teams that have made the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we all know, you know, in the, in the Big 12, when Oklahoma and Texas are great, the Big 12 is good. In the Pac-12, when USC and Oregon, to some extent, when they're really mm. good, that brand is bigger. Yeah. It just hasn't been that way. And I think in this move... This was the best move that they could have made for their future, USC and UCLA, as far as, you know, obviously TV, uh, financial reasons, they're going to make freaking triple, quadruple what they're making in the Pac-12. That helps every, all of those student athletes Mm -hmm. in that athletic department. Okay, but let's go here, because you just brought up the word student athletes and what nobody has been talking about in the last 24, 48 hours since this decision has been made is the student athletes uh, line it. You go from SC on average 730 miles. That's how on average they far they have to travel to play somebody in the pack. 2,200 miles. Yes. Three times. Yes. How far you got to go to travel to play somebody in the Big Ten. For everybody that's watching, on Friday you board your buses, yep. you go to class, you board your buses, you go to wherever you're going to go. Eugene, Oregon to play the Oregon Ducks. Then on, Saturday, on Friday you arrive, you do your meal prep, your game plan, Saturday you play, Saturday night you leave, you get back to the Coliseum, etc. Sunday you prepare for class, you watch film. Mm. But now... You got to leave Southern California, go to Ann Arbor, mm. play in that cold oh, yeah. <laughs> at night, yeah. get back to Southern California Sunday, 2 a.m., mm. practice, mm. 10 a.m., class, weights, study. Talk me through as a former player at SC, how different is that going to be and is that going to be too strenuous for some of the kids? Yeah, I mean, you guys both know. I mean, even even in the league, you know, like you go from West Coast to East Coast, you leave on a Thursday, but, but, you, but, you, don't, but you don't have school. You don't have those things to worry about. So I get your point. I, look, I think at the end of the day, there's going to be challenges and they're going to figure those out as they go. And you look at a team like USC and UCLA, scheduling-wise, you know, you, you're not going to schedule Penn State, Maryland, Rutgers all in the same year and have to travel. So I think there'll be some some leeway that way as far as the scheduling. That will help. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, it's going to be – they're going to have to adapt. But I would say this, like, when you're making that that much more money for your athletic department – more resources team, team, yeah. charge, team yeah. charters are pretty awesome for a lot and then again we're talking all the sports so i get it like football right. obviously we, we you know we live a great life as a football player you get a team charter plane you get to go but like they're just more resources yeah. it's going to yeah. enhance their point. enhance their living you know what i mean so it'll be an adjustment and that'll take time but again i think 
I don't want to say that's the least of the worries, but I feel like that will take care of itself as they as they get going. I mean, you guys put it in the work. You guys had the accomplishments, but you lived a famed existence at USC. <laughs> I just wonder right now if you had the time machine or would you want to be a part of this? Like, look at all of the prospects. Yeah. You talk about the resources. You talk about the opportunities. Even the travel can be enlightening. Would you want to be a part of this? Well, I, I mean, I think I would have wanted to been a part of the NIL. That would have been <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I would say, look, I had I had the best experience. At, like, like we all had our experiences. I love my experience at USC. We were really, really fortunate to be on great. I was a part of great teams. Great we won team. titles. Mm-hmm. Um, I played with Carson, who's a Heisman Trophy winner. I played with Reggie, who's a Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, the rules and everything. Talk about different. yourself. Yeah, yeah, I can't stand when people do that. I was that. fortunate. Yeah. I can't stand when people do that. Because they waiting for you to do it. You got a whole hype, you know what I mean? Talk about all the other hype and trophy winners. Like, I played with some great teams, yeah. great players, and a great conference. Like, like I love, and it was a Pac-10 back then, so I love yeah. the Pac-10 conference. So I wouldn't change any of that because it led me to to here in my career and everything that happens for a reason. But but I'm with you. Like, like the competitive standpoint, playing in the Big Ten is mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, the NIL, now these kids get a chance to make money. That is awesome, yeah. I think, for them. So it's just different, but but my experience was second to none. Can we so. talk a little ball? Because mm. we always say, and everybody tries to say, that the SEC, particularly certain divisions within the SEC, best in football. Mm. But I've always submitted, like, look, when you look at the Big Ten, Big Ten East, you got Michigan, you got Ohio State, you got Michigan State, you got Penn State. If you were to add a USC or if UCLA is dominant, USC, they start to get elite to the brand of the Big Ten. Do you think the Big Ten has potential to be as competitive as the SEC? I I mean, I do. I I think, look, the SEC is king. There's no doubt about it. And it's it's Alabama, it's Georgia, really. But but when you look at that conference – you start to go in the middle and the bottom, and, and no disrespect, but, you know, the Big Ten, I mean, it, it's very even. Like, it's very even. I take a middle-of-the-pack Big Ten team versus a middle-of-the-pack SEC team, and it's, it's a wash. Who knows? You know, 50-50. But I think with Ohio State and I think with, with Michigan, and, and we'll see if they can repeat what they did last year, but Penn State, Mel Tucker's got those boys. I'm telling you, Michigan Ready. State is going to be really good for a long time. And then you add a team like USC, and if they get to the point where I think we all think they can with Lincoln – you know, you're talking about that conference. It rivals it. The top five, six rival yeah. the SEC's top five and six. The SEC is great. Uh, great coaches, great players. They're sending dudes to the NFL. I get all that. They've won more national championships with Bama, Georgia. But the Big Ten is right on their heels, if not evenly matched, especially when you look at the top five, six teams in that conference. Yeah, you talk about adding teams, USC, UCLA. How do you see the dominoes falling? A lot of conversation out there that, it's not over. Oregon and Washington right. may be looking at each other. Notre Dame may be sitting there saying, hey, what do you see and imagine a Big Ten looking like in a couple years? Yeah, yeah I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, this isn't the end. And, 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 you know, you look at, you know, the Big 12 when OU and Texas announced they were leaving, they scrambled and they, they picked up some teams. So they kind of survived and, and, you know, they're going to get through it. Um, the Pac-12, they have some decisions to make. Is it, is it membership inclusion or – you know, they got to keep Oregon, teams like that, Washington happy. But I don't know. I mean, you know, are those the next teams that want to jump ship? And do the Big Ten, does the Big Ten want them? You know, that, that's the thing, too. The Big Ten doesn't have to take them. And you talk about Notre Dame. Notre Dame's just kind of sitting there like, <laughs> you know, we're in good shape, man. We're, we made the playoff as an independent. We, do we want to be a part of the ACC, the Big Ten? Um, it's certainly moving that way in the next handful of years. But uh, this is not like, this is not the end of the conference realignment. It is just the beginning. Oh, man. Thanks for joining us. Living legend himself, Matt Leinart, and the Big Noon crew will be on the road all season long, starting with Penn State at Purdue. 
on September 1st on Fox. Coming up, Kevin Durant wants out of Brooklyn, and we'll tell you who's to blame for the Nets fallout. But first, USFL Executive Vice President Daryl Moose Johnston. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. That. <laughs> will join us to talk about their big championship game on Sunday. That's next on Speak for Yourself. Got any eligibility left, Matt? You don't go back? <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome to Canton, Ohio for the first semifinal in the USFL postseason. Where you can feel the buzz. Kevontae Turpin, the MVP of the league. How about this play to start things off? Victor Bolden. Nobody's going to catch him. See you later. Woo! Big hit. Bam, he gets crushed. My man laid some serious wood. Cookus, he's got room. Touchdown, Philadelphia. Hey, nice on that game. Nice on that Jay Moore Smith, how about that for an answer? Perez picked off in a huge upset here in this USFL semifinal. It's the inaugural USFL championship game live from the Pro Football Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton. Birmingham Stallions and Philadelphia Stars go head-to-head in the quest to take home the historic first title Sunday at 7.30 Eastern on Fox. And we're definitely fired up for the championship game this Sunday on Fox. And now we've got to bring in the USFL's executive vice president of football operations, Daryl Moose Johnston. Moose, welcome back to the show, man. And the stage is set for the inaugural championship game this Sunday. We can see that smile right there. (laughs) How proud are you of the Stallions and Stars and what should fans expect from both teams this weekend? Oh, not just the Stallions and the Stars, but but everybody who's been a part of this. It's been uh, it's been a heavy lift, Uh, you know. A lot of work by a lot of great people uh, up against a tight a tight calendar. So really, really proud of, of everybody who played a huge role in this. But, yeah, really, really happy for Birmingham and for Philadelphia coming into this game. And, and it's been funny because Philadelphia, you know, they're, they're coming in as the underdog. I would say as we got into our playoffs last weekend with the four teams coming up to Canton, I, I, I think that everybody felt that Philly was probably the fourth of the four. Uh, they knock off the 9-1 and one New Jersey Generals, and now they got a chance to get the 10-1 and one Birmingham Stallions. So Bart Andrus and his staff have done a great job of, of wearing that underdog, uh, not respected mantra, you know, during the course of the, the stay here in Ohio. Now, Moose, before I get back to USFL, where are you on the introduction of Moose? Like, are you annoyed by it by now? Or, like, still bring a smile, a nostalgic <laughs> smile to your face? There is, there like, where, where are we at on that? Yeah, I, I don't know if I fit the Moose moniker anymore. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not really there, but I, I appreciate it. I, oh, I, I, just, I just don't know if I fulfill it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, speaking of things changing, the semifinals game, Sunday's championship game being held in Canton, Ohio. Why did you all decide to hold all the postseason games in Canton? Yeah, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Um, the, the World Games were down in Birmingham, and they, they needed to bump their calendar up. So we lost Protective Stadium. We knew that you know, early on in the process. And, and then the question was, well, where are we going to go? And people started talking about Canton, Ohio, and I'm like, that that's literally an option for us? Uh, 
you know, why wouldn't we have been there in the first place if, if we can do that? So I, I'm hoping that the door that's been opened here this year in year one um, is, is an invitation that we'll get back from from the Hall of Fame Museum and the Hall of Fame Village, you know, for, for years to come. Uh, it, it's been a great experience for our players. Uh, we were there last Friday with all four teams and all four staffs. And at one point I said, if you've never been to Canton, stand up. And I was shocked by how many guys stood up, especially when we talk about our coaching staffs. There were, there were two coaches there that I was really surprised as head coaches that had never been to Canton because they're football guys. They love the game. Um, so it was really, really cool to be able to do that and provide that opportunity. And we wanted we wanted Friday to be a celebration for our guys, uh, kind of a thank you for everything that they've done during the course of the season. Um, so that worked out really good. Uh, Jimmy Johnson was fantastic. We had coach come in and, and talk to the entire group and, and he knocked it out of the park. It was awesome. Well, they opened up the door for the championship game there and pro football hall of fame also is opening up a brand new USFL exhibit. So what does that mean to you? And what's it going to mean for the coaches and the players? I think that that's one of the big things that, that people forget. It's not the NFL football hall of fame. It's the pro football hall of fame. So there's, there's representation from all the different leagues that have been a part of this great game. And, and now that includes the USFL uh, as we had our inaugural season this year. Um, so it was really, really cool to see the reaction from some of the players that were able to see, you know, pieces of the exhibit and see something that there is in there. You know, Brian Scott, a quarterback that we lost early in the season to a knee injury, you know, his jersey is one of the things that, that's a part of that exhibit. And, and he texted me and said, you know, I, I never dreamed of, of, of having any opportunity to have a part of my career being Canton, Ohio at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And, and to see that, you know, it brought tears to my eyes. So just the, you know, just some of those stories is is kind of the reason you get hooked into doing these these spring leagues. Uh, you know, the, the, the guys are great, uh, you know, to provide somebody that opportunity and for him to take advantage of it and fulfill that um, is, is a special moment for a lot of people. Now, Moose, we were all incredibly excited when we heard USFL going to be returning for season two next spring. Now, what were some of the key factors that made that decision or that made that season such a resounding success? I think really what we did in Birmingham, you know, that Birmingham model with all eight teams down there, uh, you know, finances have been one of the, the detriments to the other attempts to do spring football. And, and by being sensible from a financial model uh, and, and being in a hub, that single hub uh you know, process really helped us get off to a great start. But the, the people of Birmingham and the support that they showed, I think one of the great things it did for us was we've got to provide this opportunity for another one of our franchises. I mean, you know, the Birmingham crowds and the energy inside Protective Stadium when the Stallions played was completely different than when it wasn't a Birmingham team playing out there. Um, so how do we do that? How do we replicate that somewhere else? So, you know, we got into those conversations and, you know, we're, we're talking about a northern hub, the potential of a northern hub and, and maybe a four and four split in year two. And, and we've got somebody in the north division that gets to have that that same experience that Birmingham had. And, and you've seen what they've done with it. They've taken it all the way to the championship game. Um, and, and it was hard. You know, the other teams would say, you know, listen, it says we're the home team on the schedule, but there is no home field advantage for us. You know, it was it was Birmingham every week, and the fans were fantastic. Uh, and one of the things we'd love to do is provide that opportunity for another one of our franchises. Now, we know you're a busy man, but when you have time, we know you're also a loyal viewer of ours. And we, we always talk about I'll be remiss if we didn't bring up USFL special teamer Victor Bolton's kickoff return for a touchdown in last week's playoff that helped propel the Birmingham Stallions to the championship game. 
We're so thankful for the kickoff and all the excitement around it. But how did the USFL bring back the excitement of the kickoff return? You know, isn't that a play, you know, that we've missed for so long in the NFL now? Um, it, it's a it's a Pro Bowl position. You know, the returner is a Pro Bowl position. And, and the number of kickoffs that are not being returned in the NFL is one of the frustrating things for me. Sometimes it doesn't even get a look, right? That the, the yeah. returner doesn't even follow the ball into the end zone. He just starts walking to the sideline. You know, so, so to see Victor Bolden right there, you know, that play in that game, if you go back and look at it statistically, New Orleans is in control of that game. You know, statistically, first downs, total yards, time of possession. It was the DeMarcus Gates pick six, and then the Victor Bolden kickoff return for a touchdown. You know, that's how they won that game. Um, you know, two plays that weren't on the offensive side of the ball. So by moving the kickoff in the USFL back to the 25 and, and, and affording our guys the opportunity to be able to feel that without compromising the safety of our players, that was the big thing. We have not seen an uptick in, in any type of injury, you know, on our kickoff returns. So that, that's the big thing. I know the NFL is looking at, at that play as one of the more dangerous plays you know, when you talk about the game of football, but we've been able to bring back the kickoff return, but also keep our players safe. Uh, and, and that's awesome. And, and we had some punt returns as well. We've done some things a little bit different because now the punt is becoming a very dangerous play in the NFL. And working with them, they wanted to look at some things uh, that, that Mike Pereira constructed in our formations with the punt return. And that's been an exciting play down the stretch for us as well. So, uh, you know, just a couple of tweaks with our kicking game, but uh, paying huge dividends because I, I've, I've really missed the kickoff return at the NFL level. Moose, I got a couple questions for you, man. You still got any lead blocks in you? No. <laughs> you still got any lead ISOs in you, Shorten Moose? Shortening necks uh, anywhere? Maybe two on the left shoulder, <laughs> one on the right shoulder, <laughs> but nothing nothing down nothing the middle. Straight on. Well, look, down the middle. you might not have any lead blocks in you, but I know this much. You had to throw out. You got a chance to throw out the first pitch against the Cleveland <laughs> Guardians to help celebrate the USFL's championship game. Be real with your boys, Moose. How nervous were you? Oh my gosh! Every time I step into that that environment that's not really home or comfortable, <laughs> I hadn't played baseball since I was in in tenth grade in high school. Um, so I, I just I, I didn't want to embarrass myself. Uh, I, I was somewhere between George W. Bush and Fauci. I know I was I wasn't perfect, <laughs> but I was I was kind of in the middle there. So uh, were you were it, you pleased with your performance though? I was I was and funny I'm a little frustrated there walking in. And the catcher's got a big smile, and he walked out. He goes, I, I got your back. It, it all looked good. I got it. I got it. So it, it was a little bit – I think I think the batter would have chased it. He would have chased something outside the strike zone, and I might have got him, but it, it wasn't right into the catcher's mitt. People don't realize how nerve-wracking that mm. is. Sel, have you thrown out a first pitch? I have, but it is nerve-wracking because, like you said, you're out of your comfort zone. But you did better than 50 cents, so let's just start there, Moose. <laughs> you got to feel good about yourself, man. And thanks for joining us. Once again, and it's great to talk to you as always. And good luck this weekend with the USFL Championship this Sunday. Hey, thanks for all your support through the course of our season. I really appreciate it. Of course. All day, always, man. Now, coming up, what is going on in Brooklyn? Please tell me somebody will tell you who's to blame for the Nets fallout. That's next on Speak for Yourself. Let's head to Brooklyn where there's a lot going on. Of course, say Kevin Durant has requested to be traded by the team. That's not it. Kyrie Irving opted into his deal earlier this week, but a report says he and KD had no contact with the Nets afterwards. There was a sense of inevitability that Durant would eventually ask for a trade. Wow. Acho, who's to blame for the Nets' fallout? Let's go. Oh, God. So much to be passed around. But to me, there's truly two ultimate culprits. Number one. 
Joe Sy, the majority owner. Mm. So everybody's focused on KD. Okay. Everybody focused on Kyrie. But you told me something a year and a half ago that I have not forgotten. All right. There are no bad kids. Mm. What is it? Just bad parents. Oh, okay. I said that. Ain't no bad students. Mm-hmm. Just, Just bad, bad teachers. teachers. I don't know I said that. Now, I don't know that I fully agree, but I know this much. The reason that statement can be uttered is because a parent is the chaperone over a child. Okay. And a teacher is the overlooker of a student. Yeah. Josiah is the owner. You constructed this, big dog. Ooh. We looking at KD. We looking at Kyrie. And rightfully so. They're millionaires. But you're a billionaire. <laughs> so while we're looking at the two, you know, facial features of the team, if you will, I'm thinking to myself, somebody had to sign off on this. KD don't cut his own check. <laughs> Kyrie don't cut his own check. So if you are going to orchestrate this team and allow KD to come to you, Josiah, and say, hey, I want to be a part of the Brooklyn Nets. Okay, bet. But you got to be kind of cognizant about who you are going to allow KD to partner with. And beyond that, you have to be even more cognizant of who are you going to put in place over those two. Steve Nash, we've all been in this situation. Maybe you at home were this individual. Ain't nothing worse than when you got a class full of class clowns and you got a substitute teacher. <laughs> it's going down that day. <laughs> nothing worse. Yeah, yeah. You ain't learning nothing that day. Nothing. On that day, the teacher is doing it. Sit down. Marcella, Emmanuel, can you just, the teacher is doing no teaching Mm. because the entirety of the time, they're trying to get everybody in order. What happened in Brooklyn the last two years? We ain't seen no hooping because the entirety of the time, we was trying to get everybody in order. Kyrie, can you just come play? Harden, are you healthy? Durant, can you get Kyrie in order? We didn't see no Hooping. Yeah. Because we were spending the whole time trying to get all of these kids, all of these students, all of these phenomenal hoopers in order. Meanwhile, you got the one good student who just sitting there irritated at all the bad kids because the one good student is actually trying to learn something. You got the Seth Curry's of the world like, man, I'm just trying to get buckets. My brother got chips. I'm just trying to get a couple (laughs) chips. Trying to just make the family. You know what I'm saying? And to Marcellus's point, Kevin Durant is to some degree, I actually agree, a purist. He does just want to hoop. Yeah. Now, All in. his job requirement uh, involves, uh, calls for him to do more. I'll get to that later. But Kevin Durant is that person who on some days is just like, hey, Kyrie, bro, yeah. can you just shut up so they can teach? Mm-hmm. And we've all been in a situation where it's like, Kyrie looking at KD like, hey, bro, I thought we was what? And KD's just like, can you just shut up so, so we can hoop? Yeah. So we can play? And I will blame Joe Sy first and foremost as the owner, as the headmaster of the school, because he's the one that orchestrated what students are going to be in what class and who's going to teach it. Yeah. Uh, for me, it has to focus in on one individual because they all were holding the rope. Let's just be real. In this tug of war, they all taking the L, right? But who's to blame? Ultimately, it's on Kyrie Irving. I'm going to tell you why. If you look at this, everybody came to this situation with hopes of winning the championship. And then all of a sudden, things got in the way of why they were there in the first place. And Coach used to always say that. Don't let nothing get in between why you here in the first place, which was football for me, basketball for them. But things started to get in the way. And now you got decisions to make. You got choices to make. I understand in your example, a lot of these players, let's talk about it, Kyrie, James Harden. Kyrie missed 118 games. James Harden missed 37 games. 
KD missed 64 games. A lot of them, they weren't even in the class. They were in the nurse's office. Mm -hmm. Just hurt. But then Kyrie added to the issue, added to the problem, saying that other things, rightfully or wrongfully, were more important than just playing basketball. And once that pierces your culture, good luck trying to restore it. Good luck trying to refocus it back on just playing basketball. Because we all know, especially me, you come from situations where you're trying to not only do better for that situation, but you still are always going to feel that connection to that situation. But you can't let that supersede what you're doing in that moment. You're supposed to let the benefits of what you're doing help that situation. Kyrie decided to jump into that situation and let everything else be roadblocks to what they all wanted. So I'm reminded of this truism that says nothing is going so badly that it can't be made worse. And it, <laughs> it was going bad for the Brooklyn Nets. Hurt, 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 not focused. And then it got worse. Why did it get worse? Because everything got in front of why they were there in the first place, playing basketball. And who is the poster child for that for the Brooklyn Nets? Kyrie Irving. Sal, you're getting soft in your old age. What happened? Um, you usually, your former self would have claimed that as a Wiley. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, uh, but now I've seen a day where you neglecting Wiley. Well, you, well, uh, you know, you used my grandma's a few times, and I'm starting to understand I got to be open-armed with these a little bit, but that's Wileyism too. Take it, take it, take it, take it. <laughs> um, Let's explore this. I love this conversation. Let's go. Here's why I can't blame Kyrie Irving. Oh. In life, when someone shows you who they are, believe Believe them. them. Believe them. And what we understand is Kyrie showed us who he was. You know this, what they say, uh, a dog can't change his spots, a zebra can't change Mm. his stripes, whatever the case may be. Kyrie showed us who he Mm. was. So now, why are we going to be upset at Kyrie for acting out when he has since been acting out since his days in Cleveland. But he also showed you he was a champion, too. So within those stripes, within those spots, you also saw a trophy. You also saw him be a champion. So what you're seeing at full complexion, you may be fooled, but you also know why you may be fooled. He has championship talent, but first-round exit character. (laughs) I came with you again. Well, I mean, because I don't like when we... We live by different models in sports and not in life. Mm. You know, if there is somebody who is a serial cheater, you're not going to be upset at them if you date them and you cheat on and then they cheat on you. Mm. Furthermore, if you are upset at them for cheating on you, but you knew they were a serial cheater, shame on you. Mm. Your friend, more than anything, ain't going to pity you because your friend probably cautioned you. Hey, they are a serial cheater. Yeah, they are going to cheat on you. Kyrie Irving has had serial bad behavior, if you will. <laughs> and it's always different things. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I go back to 8, 2018 in, 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 in Boston yeah. when he says that the earth is flat. It's just unnecessary. Like, whether you believe it or not, and there's literal scientific uh, evidence stating that this is incorrect, but just to state it. Then in 2019, he said, I just wanted to kick up dust. Wait, what? Mm. So you stood on this earth, this flat bench, for how long just to kick up dust? Then in 2020, you don't want to play uh, because of social injustice. I understand that. But there will always and forever be social injustice. So you cannot not play because of social injustice. Then 2021, yeah. somebody calls you the N-word so you don't play. Uh, you don't get vaccinated so you don't play. You miss a game because I believe a sister's birthday party or a friend's wedding or a friend's birthday party. I'm just like, 
I can't fault Kyrie because he showed us who he was, Sal. He didn't change. Mm. Kyrie never changed throughout all of this. He never changed. So why would you be upset at a person who showed you who he was? You just didn't believe him. Well, I, I think it's a mixed bag when it comes to Kyrie. Like, you see all the talent. You see the production, 27-6-5 and five when he's playing last year alone, despite all of the issues and distractions. And you see he's a champion. You see he's Kyrie Irving, three-time All-NBA, seven-time All-Star. You're like, yeah. And then, like everybody, there's also a pro and con list. And you see the cons. Mm-hmm. But then you start to say what every general manager out there says and probably every superstar like a Kevin Durant says, if he gets with me. Things are going to change. Are we going to make sure all of the positives are accented? But I can't put it on Kyrie. I can't put it on Kyrie in the sense of you're saying that, oh, this is always who Kyrie is. Kyrie also is the positive as well as the negative. You look at Kyrie in this situation, though. Oh, man just exploded. I'm mad at somebody. You look at Kyrie in this situation. He went there to focus in on winning the championship. He said, I'm going to grab the rope with you, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, like, I'm going to keep this rope. James Harden said, I'm going to let it go. But James Harden came in after James Harden left before. You imagine that go, who comes to the party? I'll come late and I'm going to leave early. That ain't the homie you're going to get a ride with, right? But then Kyrie is the one who said, nah, me and you. And this is how Kyrie looks in this situation right now. Kyrie, I got Laker love. I got love to play with LeBron again. Remember that? And then that comes out and then he wants a trade request. Then all of a sudden, no, I want the trade request. I want to take the money. And then as soon as you say that, then your boy Kevin Durant says it's time for me to let the rope go because I can see already you're not committed to this task. You're not holding the rope. It's on Kyrie for this moment, but it's not on Kyrie for his resume before it because that doesn't come into this place. So let me share with you one of the most mind-blowing statistics in the world. Let me see. One of the most mind-blowing statistics in the world. What's that? 70% of lottery winners go Go broke. One of the most mind-blowing statistics in the world. It doesn't matter if you win $500 million or $1 million. The studies show 70% of lottery winners go broke. Why? Because if you get it fast, you'll lose it faster. That's real. What happened with these Brooklyn Nets, big dog? Ownership, management, they tried to buy a championship fast. Mm. Let's get Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden within essentially a two-and-a-half, three-year period. Yeah. We're going to win this chip quick. Mm-hmm. James Harden, he tried to get it fast. Forget Houston. I see KD and Kyrie. I'm going to win it quick. You try to get it fast, you're going to lose it fast. I've seen dudes in the casino. True story. Come to the casino. Hey, $6,000. Win. Woo. Double it. $12,000. <laughs> win. I'm sitting here jealous because yeah. I'm playing $25 hand. Double it. $24,000. Who? Win. They sitting here $48,000. We'll table max so you can't play $48,000. Split the hands. 24, Uh-oh. 24. Uh-oh. Lose, lose. Just like that, he lost $48,000. Mm. If you get it fast, you'll lose it fast. Yeah. Ownership in Brooklyn tried to acquire it fast. And now look how fast it's gone. Whereas the Warriors... Even before there was Steve Kerr, there was Mark Jackson, and they was building. Bunsen burning, mm. building, mm. building. Look at the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis, he's been there for eight, nine years now. Middleton, building, building, building. Look at the Boston Celtics. Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, five years, five years, eight years, nine years. Building, building, building. But the Nets, KD, Kyrie. 2019, James Harden, 2021, and they gone as fast as they came. (laughs) So when I really look at the blame for the fallout, again, for me, I got to go to the top. 
Because just like lottery winners who go broke, even if they win $500 million, if you try to get it fast, you're going to lose it fast. The Nets tried to get it fast, but truth be told, they've lost it even faster. Now, you just pulled a fast one, told everybody that story about me when I lost that 48K over there in Jersey. <laughs> Look at you. Um, in all seriousness, I respect what you're saying there. But there's a model out there that that same scenario actually works. Miami Heat. You talk about the Miami Heat, just bringing characters together, bringing top talent together, saying, hey, let's make this happen. You could talk about when the Lakers didn't have Pau Gasol. You could say, Pau Gasol? Who is Pau Gasol? They added to that team to make it all of a sudden blossom into what Kobe Bryant got his second championship and no, fourth and fifth championship, two after Shaquille O'Neal. There are times when you just be like... We got to microwave this. There are times when you're like, we got to slow bake it. Does that work, though? Because as, you're talking, twice, I'm th- as you're talking, I'm thinking, though, I wouldn't say that that Lakers – think about the Lakers microwave model. 04 to me was a Lakers microwave model. Let me get a quick Carl Malone, boop, 30 oh. seconds. Let me get a quick Jerry Payton, boop, add 30 seconds. Yeah. And they lose to the Detroit Pistons. Truth be told, the Detroit Pistons, as I think about it, are probably the least talented team to win a championship in the last 20 years. When you talk about the individuals, who is the greatest player? Yeah. Chauncey or Rip, depends on how you look yeah, at yeah, it. Yeah. Ben Wallace, defensive Star Wars, yeah, not Rashid top Wall, heavy at all. but not top heavy at all. Right, right. And that Lakers that tried to microwave it took an L. Kobe's Lakers, I feel like, was a slow cook, even to the point of losing the first chip but additions, to Boston. But additions. And, and, like, you bring up the Boston Celtics are now. What do they have to show for it in this slow bake? Mm-hmm. And then Milwaukee Bucks, for all of the years, you have one championship. So I think it's like hook or crook. Which way are you going to flip the coin? Are you going to be the one that says, heads, I'm going to go out there and slow bake it? Or are you going to be the one that says, tails, let's microwave it and see if we can do it? Because it's worked both ways. The question really is, when you saw these three names, did you think it could work? Obviously, from the top down, they thought so. More importantly, those holding the rope thought that they could. But obviously, when Kyrie is not holding the rope, after James Harden just barely grabs it, KD is stuck there holding it all and finally had to let go. So you are mad at, you're not mad at Kyrie. I'm mad at, uh, Kyrie's the one you blank. Because Kyrie is the one that let most things get in front of why he came there in the first place. He came there to play basketball. James Harden just like, look, dog, this ain't going to work out. Kevin Durant was sitting there holding the rope by himself. Kyrie was the only one. Grab the rope. Let the rope go. Grab the rope. Personal personal question. I apologize. After the casino, you got another one? I apologize in advance. Are you a snorer? I'm asleep. I don't know. Uh, my, wife <laughs> say, my wife says, yeah. Is wifey says, a snorer? Oh, hell yeah. I know. I'm Bet. up. Wifey a snorer. <laughs> Did you know wifey was a snorer when y'all was dating? Nah. So nah. you didn't know until? Or maybe I was just caught up in that, that as his own. <laughs> you know how it goes. She fine. Because <laughs> <laughs> here's my thing, Sel. What's that? You blaming Kyrie Irving, to me, is like being upset at your wife for snoring, knowing that she snored before you married her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wasn't going to stop snoring because y'all got married. Not the peace? Not the love? <laughs> not not the at harmony? all. That wasn't going to do it. <laughs> all right. So, like, I just don't get how you can... Blame an individual for not changing, but you married them knowing exactly who they were. Kyrie, he was married to KD, and we all knew who Kyrie was. I don't see how you can blame Kyrie for not changing. Kyrie's like, this is who I am. I'm not going to hide But that's not who he is, because look— you're never going to get married, first of all, because whoever you marry, they're going to come out of a bad situation. <laughs> That's why they single in the first place. That's how you're going to meet them. So you can't always say, oh, look at you in Boston. Oh, I ain't going to mess with you. Look at you in Cleveland. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> I want to holler. That's who Kyrie Irving is. Now, the problem is you can't spend the night here one night and then somewhere else the next night because you got different circumstances, different intentions. Kyrie Irving was 
trying to be single and married at the same time on the Brooklyn Nets. And that's why I got a place to blame on him. James Harden, look, man, you're just collateral damage. You came in. Kevin Durant said he's you the even wisest committed. one of them all. Who? In retrospect, James Harden. Why is he the wisest? Well, Kevin Durant said you weren't even professional enough to come in shape because from day one. Harden came in and said, "Oh, this what you doing, Kyrie? Oh, I'm gone." But what were you doing? You can get, it's easy to say what you doing, Kyrie, when you got the belly out and you James Harden, and then Kevin Durant sitting there looking both at you. What are you doing? I can't tell you how to live. I can't tell you what to do with your vaccination status. But what are you doing? I can't tell you to come in shape for basketball but I think even Harden looked at Kyrie and said oh this what you want because KD <laughs> yeah, knew exactly who Kyrie was when they, you remember bro we were talking about it on the show KD and Kyrie were doing Instagram lives mm. as much money and as busy as y'all are y'all kick back on the crib just <laughs> on FaceTime essentially for the world to see right they're doing Instagram yeah. lives Harden meanwhile is in Houston doing his thing doing his thing going to the breakfast club doing his thing going to the uh, <laughs> uh, clubs at night and they're like oh y'all want oh, I'll come through mm. then Harden showed up and was like oh not mm. We was talking about it off camera, uh, talking about cats to be getting into business we don't be getting into. You ever showed up at a party and you're like, oh, y'all yeah, doing yeah. this? That's what y'all doing. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, gone yeah. immediately. Yeah, yeah. Like, right. I don't care what. Keep who, Uber running. <laughs> keep it running. I'm gone. That to me is what Harden did. Yeah. I got the most respect for James Harden now in retrospect. Oh, my God. All these cats. Real talk. Oh, man, that hate must be blinding you because if you got the most respect for Harden, who then went to Philadelphia and brought the same problems over there, woo, we got to talk about some things. Coming up. Could a Kyrie and LeBron reunion be in the works? We'll tell you if the Lakers should be all in on making it a reality. Next on Speak for Yourself. Man. Now get this. Kyrie Irving opted into his deal with the Nets for $37 million earlier this week. But doesn't mean he's staying in Brooklyn, y'all. A report says he is, quote, focused on forcing himself to the Lakers. Well, you know what that would mean? A reunion with LeBron, the King, James, his former Cavs teammate. I'm excited about this reunion <laughs> with Slick, Rick, the Buker. Yes. Slick, it's good to see you, big dog. But Marcellus, you up first. Yep. Should the Lakers be all in on Kyrie Irving? Oh, absolutely be all in on Kyrie Irving. He beats the alternatives. <laughs> and I'm not trying to disparage my man Russell Westbrook because, hey, he was out there for 78 games of the 82 he last was. year. He was available, and a lot of times he gets the bad rap in that situation what happened to the Lakers because Russell Westbrook is supposed to be there in spot moments. Hey, when AD goes down, which he goes down a lot, or LeBron wants a little break, okay, you're supposed to be the energizer bunny. But the thing is, LeBron and AD are supposed to come back and save the day. But both of those guys missed a lot of time as well. So I don't want to really harp on Russell Westbrook, but – if you're talking about swapping between Russell Westbrook and Kyrie Irving, ah, sorry, Russ. Sorry, Brody. Going to have to take an L on this one. Let's be real about it. 27-6-5 and five may show up. And as Acho always points out, hey, he's a little malcontent. You already know who he is. The guy has some discipline issues, some focus issues. Well, with LeBron James, not so much. So now you got a fully committed, motivated Kyrie Irving with the Los Angeles Lakers that just got better in terms of talent and production. Oh, yeah, you got to be all in on Kyrie Irving because if Kyrie Irving is all in, then you know what you got here. You have a wizard with the basketball. So Kyrie Irving with the chemistry of LeBron James when they were in Cleveland together, three years, three finals appearances, one championship. You got to be in all in on a guy like Kyrie Irving, especially when he gets back with the guy who can make it happen for him. Marcellus, I'm all in with you on the wisdom of them getting Kyrie Irving. I'm just not all in on you in terms of what the results 
would potentially be. Mm. Uh, you started out on the right track or a track that I certainly agree with, which is what are their alternatives? Yeah. How else are they going to get better? Who else, what other high caliber player is saying, I want to play for the Los Angeles Lakers? Now, it's not, he's going to have to force his way to the Lakers, but he's not going to have to force his way out of the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets, I've been told, <laughs> with KD going out the door, they're more than willing to move off of Kyrie. Now, the advantage is that with KD going, if the Brooklyn Nets get enough of a haul, this is a little bit different than when they were looking at sign-and-trades and they didn't like what the Lakers were to give them as a sign-and-trade, thinking that they were adding pieces to KD and Ben Simmons. Now all that has changed. So it's very possible that the Brooklyn Nets, if they get what they're hoping to get for KD, would be willing to take back less for Kyrie uh, in a sign and trade and therefore look at it as subtraction or addition by subtraction. That's what works in favor of the Lakers. We may not have to give up as much as we would have had to previously in order to get Kyrie. Here's the other element that works in their favor. KD is making it clear that he'd still like to play with Kyrie Irving. Now, mm. Mm. I don't see any way in which the Lakers get KD now. But we look at the Lakers as constituted, where are they going? How much longer are they going to have LeBron? If getting Kyrie now, regardless of what happens this season, means that you might get Kevin Durant down the line, that's certainly worth getting Kyrie. So I don't have any expectations that he's really changing things. He's not making the Lakers into a contender by going there. But he mm. certainly would improve them on some level. I don't see any other option for them to improve. And if it means, hey, we might be able to rework this uh, KD Kyrie experiment one more time in L.A., that is certainly worth God, going no. and grabbing Kyrie right now. Yeah. Yo, I'm so confused. I I've never been more confused doing Speak for Yourself, at least not with you, Slick, than I am in this moment yeah. right now. <clears throat> yeah. Have I, not I'm been... not surprised, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if y'all not been watching the show all week, Mm -hmm. Like, if y'all not been paying attention mm -hmm. all week mm -hmm. to Kyrie Irving mm -hmm. and the drama, and mm -hmm. yet, once again, mm -hmm. here y'all are mm -hmm. suggesting that a team should be interested in Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Like, Slick, it's as if mm. you didn't watch or weren't a part of the entire show yesterday where all we <laughs> talked about was Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Yeah. It's like, Sal, yeah. you didn't talk and weren't a part of all the shows this week, <laughs> including one I missed. <laughs> How in the world are you all suggesting and submitting that the Lakers should be interested in a man, should be interested in a player that's not interested in playing. It's baffling to me because once again, in a year from now, we're going to be talking about if Kyrie does join the Lakers, how, man, I can't believe the Lakers made that mistake. How foolish were they to think that Kyrie Irving would want to play basketball? As distracted as Kyrie was in a city like Cleveland, as distracted as Kyrie was in a city like Boston, as distracted as Kyrie was in a borough, if you will, <laughs> Y'all thought he wasn't going to be distracted in Los Angeles, literally Hollywood. No, what you all are saying is ridiculous. I don't understand how you all are saying it, but it's ridiculous because you all are literally about to make the same mistake that the Brooklyn Nets mm. are in the midst of making. No, the Lakers shouldn't be mm. all in on Kyrie Irving. They should not come near Kyrie Irving. They should stay as far away from Kyrie Irving as possible. They have a 
highly sensitive allergen to Kyrie Irving. That is the approach that they should take. Slick, you know them highly sensitive allergens, not the ones that's like, <laughs> I can't eat peanuts. The type that's like, if peanuts are in the classroom, I will break out in yeah, hives. Yeah. I don't even want Kyrie Irving mm. to play in the crypto arena, even if he's on the opposing team. Mm. I don't even want him near me. So no, the Lakers should not be all yeah. in. Not at all, please. No, 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 no. Allergic to that BS. I'm, I'm sorry. Allergic to that tank right there. What, you better put some respect on that champion's name. You better put some respect on Kyrie Irving's name. What did Aretha say? What you want? Baby, I got it. And Kyrie got it. And what the Lakers want? Oh, they want somebody who can shoot. <laughs> they want somebody who can score. Yeah, they want somebody who can hit the three. Yeah, they want somebody good at the free throw line. And Kyrie Irving can do all of those things. You got to put some respect on it, man. Once a champ, always a champ. That's at least what I hear about champions. So Kyrie Irving's like, don't act like I'm caught up in these streets now. Don't act like I can't go to Boston and can't go to New York and go to L.A. And it's because I'm caught up in the streets. Like, these are some one-offs. If you ever want to talk about one-offs and talk about social unrest to the level it was at that time in the bubble and the pandemic, we're going to use that to say that Kyrie Irving is not focused. Well, then all focus ain't created equal. Because if you look at Kyrie Irving, he hits the court. And if he's on that court, you're going to get production. What do the Lakers need? They need production. They got availability last year, but they didn't get the type of production that they need. And if you plug him back in to LeBron James when he was a champion, trust me, the Lakers going to be thinking championship once again. Marcellus, I am not with any of that. Oh, come on. They're not getting better with Kyrie Irving. They're not playing for a championship with Kyrie Irving. AD? Acho. Acho. What? You're right. You're right. It's going to be a disaster. <laughs> what other reason do I have to watch the Lakers next year if I don't have the entertainment? You Fair. can't tell me that you wouldn't have your popcorn and go, oh, man, I saw what happened in Brooklyn. Look, what did the Brooklyn Nets do this year? Not a whole lot. Mm. They didn't do a whole lot during the regular season. Mm. They got swept out of the first round. How much attention did we pay to the Brooklyn Nets? To the a Brooklyn ton. Nets. That's Why? Because it was a soap opera. Because it was a reality show that we couldn't take our eyes away from. If you don't have Kyrie going to the Lakers, what, do I want to watch AD sitting on the bench and LeBron James <laughs> coaching up Austin Reeves? Like, that's going to sell those courtside tickets in the crypto arena? No, I don't think so. Like, I'm not saying it's going to work from a basketball standpoint. I'm just saying that the Lakers have nothing to look forward to next season, and Kyrie Irving being added to the mix and at least gives them something to say, who knows what could happen? It might blow up, but we might be a little bit better too. We might be meaningful. Who knows? Let's find out. That's why I'm all in on Kyrie Irving being there. Marcellus, we did the same thing at the beginning of last year. Like, we all knew you can't take a bunch of 35, 36-year-olds whose best years were three, four years ago and think that they're going to play for a championship. But while we thought that, we couldn't wait to find out if we were right. And so we paid a ton of attention even as the Lakers fell apart. And so that's why, for entertainment purposes only, I want to see Kyrie Irving with the Lakers and I believe there's a path to making that happen. Here's a problem, Slick. You know what they say, man. Not all money is good money. 
Not all entertainment is good at entertainment slick. The most highly rated events on um, news, the most highly rated events mm. when the news occurs, car chase, most highly rated. Yep. People are going to watch it, yep. but there will not be a good outcome. Mm. So, Slick, I don't necessarily care for the Lakers to have entertainment for entertainment's sake. If we talk about the late, great Kobe Bryant, we recall watching the end of Kobe Bryant's career in Los Angeles that last season. Truth be told, I tried to catch every single game because you never knew what Kobe was going to do. You knew he was going to put up shots, though. And it was entertaining watching Kobe go for 50, go for 60, go for 40. But it was always a bad outcome. Lakers missed the playoffs and were atrocious mm. collectively that season. I'm past the days of entertainment for entertainment's sake. I'm good on that. So I don't think I want Kyrie to join L.A. just for entertainment value because I know like any car chase, it will end disastrously for both parties. So I'm all out. I'm a, there's no reason I'm oh. all out. Plus, LeBron oh. James, as long as he is present, Slick Rick, yeah. Lakers going to be box office. At box office, they're going to have a chance. Last time I saw LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the court, most of the time, they won a championship. And now we're sitting here looking at this situation, and everyone's writing it off like it can't happen. Did y'all predict that the Golden State Warriors this time last year was going to win a championship? Oh, no, we didn't. You got to understand what they're dealing with if you're the Los Angeles Lakers. They ain't sitting there with the black card. They ain't got the unlimited budget. I can do whatever I want to do, buy whatever I need to. These dudes, LeBron, AD, and Russ, eat up 74% of the salary cap. What does that mean? We can't move much. But can we move mountains if we get us Kyrie Irving? Oh, in potential. Yes, we can. So y'all got to understand, Slick, you can't just talk about the entertainment value and that's all this is going to be. No, this actually has substance. And if you see them on the floor together, are you not entertained? You talk about LeBron, AD, and Kyrie Irving adding the buckets to him with the familiarity, with the chemistry. That's more than entertainment. That actually has potential to do something. Last time I saw uh, AD and LeBron James together on the floor wasn't when they were winning a championship. It was in limited action this past season. How good were they? They weren't that good. They were, they were 500 team. They finished 11th. This idea that, like, I'm going to bring Kyrie in and I'm going to recapture the magic that he and LeBron had, what, six years ago? And AD is going to be what he was, what, in the bubble when we were going to find a way to take three months off and then come back and be great? Like, <laughs> no, I, and, and I'm looking at the West. The West is like the AFC right now, man. Mm. It is loaded, especially if KD ends up coming over. So, no, I'm not buying the idea that Kyrie is going to make them some championship caliber team by any stretch of the imagination. But let me see my boy Acho. Where you at, Slick? Where you at? It's what it's what Chris it's what Chris Rock says. A man's only as good as his options. There I'm paraphrasing. Is. Thank you. Like, thank you. What what other options do the Lakers have right now? Are you Acho? Are you really good? As is, they come back with signing what Damian Jones from the Sacramento Kings and whatever right. little odd right. bits and pieces they put together, and you're going to say, hey, man, I can't wait to watch the Lakers next year because they're going to be, they're going to be what? What are they going to be? So the Kyrie piece, and please, I, I, there's no way to do it, but please don't, don't let Russ go. 
make it somehow make them ha- have it so that they get Kyrie. So we have Kyrie, Russ, AD, LeBron. Oh, oh please give that to me. <laughs> Because that's what I—that's—that's that's the only thing I can get out from these uh, out of these Lakers at this point is entertainment value. And if you're telling me, do I want them to be entertaining? Do I want to see this mess and how what Darvin Ham does it? I'm sorry, Darvin. Yes, I would much rather see that than be and then have the Lakers be meaningless. Because as of right now, as it stands with the way the Western Conference is and the way the Lakers are. I have no reason other than to wait to get the calendar and figure out when LeBron James is going to pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the scoring <laughs> for the scoring all-time scoring title. Let's That's see. the only reason I have to watch the Lakers this season, and I dare say the same applies for everybody in L.A. So, Dang. yes, go get Kyrie Man. if you can. Man. That's all you can get out of it, huh? Entertainment value. Well, you know what I got yep. out of what you just said, Slick? That you got trust mm. issues. And they're not on the outside. You don't even trust yourself. Because I'm not buying what you're saying right now. Because last year, you wasn't selling me to Golden State Warriors. So since you don't trust yourself, I'm not going to trust you either. Who knows how this could play out? But if you give me LeBron, AD, and Kyrie... Trust me, it's going to be more than just entertaining. Coming up, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving can both be on new teams next season. So who looks worse than the Nets fallout? We'll answer that next. Don't speak for yourself. Man, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving look to be on their way out of Brooklyn after reports say KD has requested a trade and Kyrie is looking to force his way to the Lakers. The duo played only 58 games together, including the playoffs, with zero finals appearances since joining forces three years ago. Slick is back with us, but Acho, who looks worse in the Nets' fallout? Kyrie looks significantly worse, but it is worse for KD. Let me break it down. Kyrie looks worse because how bad must you be for a person who is most desperate in the NFL, of all in the NBA, of all players that are desperate, Kevin Durant is most desperate for a chip. Reason I say that is Kevin Durant sacrifices the most for a chip. I'm not talking about his practice habits, his game habits, his social media habits. No, no, no. I'm talking about the sacrifices Kevin Durant makes on his legacy, leaving OKC to go to Golden State. A sacrifice. That is a big risk that no other superstar that we see take that often. Then you leave Golden State and go to Brooklyn. That is a sacrifice. So Kevin Durant, who sacrifices the most of any NBA player to win a chip, he going to leave you, Kyrie? That's very, very, very telling. And it's very telling on Kyrie because if somebody who is so desperate for a chip is willing to leave a pl- player as talented as Kyrie Irving, then golly, hmm. how difficult must Kyrie Irving be to deal with? So it looks worse for Kyrie, but it is worse for KD because KD is the only one whose legacy is going to take a hit. Kyrie Irving not even a top 75 player. Kevin Durant is a top 12, top 10, if you ask Marcellus, caliber of player. So it's significantly worse for Kevin Durant because his legacy is the one that's going to be impacted. But for Kyrie, oh, it's bad looking. Mm. I mean, it, it looks bad for everybody. Uh-huh. I, I even hate saying that anybody looks worse because it suggests that someone looks good or better. And that's not the case. Everybody in this looks bad. Yeah. But nobody looks worse than the Nets front office. That's good. Do we bet? Do we do we blame the horse when a gambler bets on the wrong one, or do we bet? The, or do we we blame the gambler because he 
Mm. He put his money on the wrong horse. Mm. Good point. Mm. When you give your they, when you give the keys Good to boy. your franchise to Stupid. a couple of uh, a, a couple of guys and and then they they want you to add a bunch of different things to it and uh, and then they they're driving all over the place. They're uh, they're driving crazy and then you say you know what would you give me the keys back. Okay, I, I need the keys back because you're driving like a crazy person. And they run it into a ditch and then they walk away and hand you the keys back. Whose fault is it? When you should have checked their driving record to know that they've That's done this before answer. with That's other cars. Okay? They've left other cars. They've crashed other cars. And you gave them the keys anyway. So when it all comes down to it, look, I feel bad for Sean Marks, the GM, because most GMs would have done the exact same thing. You're going to give me Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving with the Brooklyn Nets, which was a success story because we made the playoffs? Like, of course they would do it. But it doesn't mean, to the clip we showed at the beginning, that anybody thought it, was, it wasn't a gamble, that it wasn't a bet, that it was, it was far, maybe outside of Marcellus Wiley, Nobody thought it was a sure thing that the yeah. Brooklyn Nets were going to do anything. Most of us looked at it and went, eh, don't see this working. Like getting Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, ah, not sure that that's going to work. So when it doesn't work and you're the person who said, well, let's find out, I got to put the responsibility on the person who said, let's find out. And that above all, above everything else, that's point. John Marks take. in the front office that made that decision. Oh, oh man, we all over it. We're all over it. But we all know it's on Kyrie Irving. He's sticking out just a little bit more. Let's be real. Uh, this wasn't a situation where it was a huge roll of the dice. Let's just be real about it. Now, it also wasn't a sure bet because there's no such thing as a sure bet. Because if it was a sure bet, then why are you betting? It's not even anything. It's not gambling if it's a sure bet, right? So let's get real with this, because 29 teams every year come up short. And some of them feel better about coming up short than others. But 29 of them come up short. They're all sitting there in that loser circle, right next to that horse, and I guess the car that went into the ditch that your kids drove into. So we got all that okay, right there. Okay, I mixed analogy. <laughs> I'm with you, though. I'm with you. And it's crazy because if it's all going to be said truthfully, Kyrie Irving is the only one that took the keys to the car and actually didn't even try to go where he was going. Everybody else, at least Kevin Durant, you got a, a year ago. When Kevin Durant, the big toe game, you got Kevin Durant, hey, James Harden, you get hurt as soon as the series start. Kyrie, you hurt too. What's going on with you guys? You guys are all right? And then he tries to put the team on his back. Comes back this year. Oh, we got more distractions. Oh, James Harden, you're not in shape. Oh, Kyrie, you're not, you're not playing. You're not available. And here it goes, Kevin Durant once again trying to hold this thing together. But would James Harden finally say, hey, I came late and I'm leaving early? We're not looking at you with the same level of commitment because, hey, your resume speaks for itself. Your driving record speaks for itself. But Kyrie Irving, oh, man, uh, I give you the social unrest. I, I give you the N-word. I give you the vaccine. I can't give it to you all the time, Kyrie Irving. What are you doing? Why are you letting everything else get in front of what you're here to do, which is play basketball? So Kevin Durant's sitting there saying, I'm tired of holding this rope. 
tired of sitting here holding these keys. I'm tired. I got to get up out this situation. So for me, Kyrie Irving, all three of these guys look bad, as you said, Slick. But Kyrie Irving just looks a little worse because everything else got in the way. So look, Slick, I love your point. I wish I came up with it myself. I'm going to steal it and use it during football season. You don't blame the horse. You blame the gambler. Uh, for that, I'm with you wholeheartedly. I don't think Kyrie sell. I just look at him differently than you. Okay. The reason being slick is like we know who Kyrie is and was. So Kyrie looks bad. I said that in my opening take. But Kyrie always looks bad. And he always has looked bad. Yeah, Kyrie made the shot. Mm. Understand, he's a great hooper. He made the shot. But outside of that, Sal, think about all of the distractions compared to the one. But Kyrie's a champion. We try to use Kyrie's a champion to cover every single glaring issue with Kyrie Irving. Eventually, you can't do it. The difference is we know who Kyrie Irving is. We know exactly who Kyrie Irving is. Champion. But Nets management. You all are supposed to be the mature individuals that don't get so distracted by all the faces and all the names on the back of the jersey that you forget about the name on the front. And that is what everybody got caught up in. Ooh, James Harden. I got to get me a James Harden. Let me say this, and then I'm done. Mm. Slick, one of my favorite sayings, I believe it was my older sister who told me, she said this, um, relationships end how relationships begin. Hmm. Think about how willing James Harden was to leave his long-tenured relationship of the Houston Rockets. If he could leave the Houston Rockets after spending nearly a decade of relative greatness there, a city in which he loved, an organization which brought him a league MVP and an incredible uh, reputation of being one of the greatest scorers ever. If James Harden was willing to leave them that flippantly, imagine Brooklyn what he was willing to do to you. Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving goes to Boston after leaving Cleveland. Kyrie Irving says he's going to be in Boston for a while. And then after that, he's like, you know what? I don't think I'm out back into Boston. I'm going to just go ahead and dip on out. Hey, Brooklyn, if Kyrie Irving was willing to leave Boston like that, imagine what he'll do to you. Cut to Brooklyn. Kyrie Irving, man, I don't know if I want to come back. I don't know. Y'all just had to see what Kyrie Irving was about, y'all. Ownership got distracted by the names on the back of the jersey. They forgot about the most important name. That's the one on the front. All right, so let me answer two questions that you guys have raised. One, Emmy, yes, I do have bars. <laughs> two, Marcellus. <laughs> yes, sir. Marcellus, yes, sir. a sure bet is still a gamble. Mm-hmm. It's still a bet. Mm-hmm. It just means mm-hmm. that it's a bet that's likely to pay off. And mm-hmm. that's the distinction here with the when I think the difference between the way I viewed the Nets and I believe that uh, Emmy viewed the Nets and the way you viewed the Nets when they got Kyrie and KD in the first place, which is you thought it was a sure bet. You thought this was the beginning of a championship run for them. And I did not. I thought there were questions about how this was going to work, whether they could get there. And it wasn't the talent. It was the intangibles because of what we had seen. Yeah, we can go back. Forget the Golden State situation and KD leaving that, which was already the indicator. Like, is championships really what you're about? Or is it the opportunity to do it the way you want to do it? And if I can get a championship out of it that way, 
That's what I really want. Because what I saw from Steph and Dre and Clay and all of them, and it comes to the whole vaccine question, they only had their mind on one thing. How do we win a championship? So when Andrew Wiggins was uncertain in the same way Kyrie was about winning, or about getting vaccinated, their answer in front of the cameras and behind the scenes was, we're confident he's going to do the right thing. What was the right thing? Right thing is get vaccinated. And there was rumblings that if he didn't, dude, you may not be here because we're about one thing. You can be about vaccinated or not vaccinated. We're about winning a championship. However, we need to do that. Kevin Durant never did that with Kyrie Irving. So I'm with uh, I'm with you, Acho, in the idea that KD had a certain responsibility because he put this together uh, to make it work once they got there. But now that the whole thing has come apart, who counted on KD to keep it together with Kyrie? The Nets front office did. And what did the Nets front, front office do to manage this and maybe find a way to keep James Harden or uh, keep Kyrie happy knowing that if they didn't, KD was going to jump off? Like, the Nets made all the decisions that led to the the franchise being exactly where it was today. Uh, so I can't look at anybody else for why they are where they are mm. other than the new, than the Brooklyn Nets because they started it all and they finished it all. Mm. Oh, man. And they made the sure bet or at least the advertised sure bet when you see these collection of stars sitting right there in front of you. You got your money and it's time to place that ticket. You look at all the other horses and none of them look as good. None of them have the track record. You're talking about champion here, champion here, and a thirsty guy who's trying to become a champion who's still an all great player in himself and James Harden. So you're sitting there like with your money, you got to put your money somewhere. And I don't blame them for putting their money on these guys. We can't sit up here right now and forget that we all grew up and we all played sports and we all had a workout partner. And it's crazy because you and your workout partner, y'all can have the same exact workout. Y'all remember when we used to get the, sh- the card before the phones? Before the card, you had to write down three times ten. Three sets, ten reps. Like everybody, we got the same workout. You and I got the same workout. We doing the same thing every day. But we getting different Spiral results. Notebook. But we getting, yes, spiral notebook, doing the same thing every day. Turn the page, turn the, don't rip it, turn the page. <laughs> doing the same thing every day, different results. So now I look at when I see this situation, oh, look at you and, and James Harden. Why would you leave the Houston Rockets after you've been there and then trying to make them win a championship, but you didn't? LeBron did it. His dedication was questioned as well, but it worked out for LeBron. But they did the same thing, got different results. Then we look at, oh, whoa, what you going to talk about, man? Hey, is it about just championships or is it about just who gets the credit? Well, Kobe and Shaq beefed out and lost some championships potentially. And they did the same thing as a Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, but different results. So let's not forget how we got these muscles in the first place, man. Because mm. Kyrie Irving is the only one of these three that did something different, and it wasn't on the workout, and it wasn't in that spiral <laughs> notebook. Coming up, Zion so, Williamson so, is about so, to get huh? Zion Williamson's about to get question. a whole lot of money. You want to talk about that, that Slick? We can do it, but we'll tell you if the Pelicans are making a mistake giving him a max contract. Next, on Speak for Yourself, you need a spot, Slick? What's up? Yeah, who put that Who put that Heat team together? Was that Pat Riley or was that LeBron James and Dwayne Wade? Fox Bet Super 6 is giving baseball fans a free chance 
to win $10,000 of Big Poppy's money. Scan the QR code, download the Super 6 app, and enter your pick for the MLB contest for your free shot at the jackpot. Mm. Well, speaking of money, Zion Williamson nearing a five-year rookie max extension worth up to $231 million, basically $1 million per game he's played. That's with the Pelicans. <laughs> now, according to reports, the former number one overall pick has shown he's already one of the most dominant offensive players in the league. But he's been limited to just 85 games in the stall of last season with the broken foot. Mm. Sal, yep. we got to talk through this one, man, because yeah. this is baffling to me. Yes. Are the Pelicans making a mistake giving Zion a contract, a yeah. max contract? Nope, not at all. You got to go all in on Zion. I wish Slick was here for this one because think about it. If you're out there in New Orleans watching this team play, don't you want an attraction? Don't you want something that's box office? Don't you want a little more of entertainment value to go along with your production? You're going to have your production, Brandon Ingram, in the building. But don't I want something that's fascinating? Don't I want to see Zion Williamson going out there and showing everybody when he's on that court and he's available? Silly with it. See, you got the eye roll of someone who hasn't looked at recent contracts of these young stars. And you think that, oh, injury disqualifies them from getting paid. Oh, contraire, mon frere. <laughs> oh, let's talk about it. No matter what the reason, Michael Porter Jr., say what you want. Uh, he got his money. And you know how many games he's missed? 85 games, first three seasons. SGA, you know, different reasons. Hey, we want to play, we don't want to play. 63 games, got his money. Bam, without the same level of production as a Zion, got his money despite hmm, not even producing to the same level. So you got to understand, these guys get paid once they show that they are productive, they have potential, and they could be box office. He laughing. He said, that boy don't think I'm about to eat. Well, we all know you're eating. So here's the thing. Ben Simmons, on top of all of that, misses rookie year, misses last year, still got his money. It's about when they're out there, the production. And especially in this market, Zion Williamson's an attraction. You got to pay him. He is an attraction. I don't mind them signing the Supermax deal with Zion if they got a prenup. <laughs> you better be safe in the event this dude not work out, and I just don't know that it will. Now, where I think you're exactly right, Sell, is in this. Hmm. You can't afford to let a superstar like Zion go and watch him go ball elsewhere. Okay. So if he going to fail, he got to fail on your hands. Hmm. If he going to fail, he got to hmm. fail in your property. Yeah. But you can't afford to let him go, go ball, and now you look stupid. But here is my issue. John Moran, Zion drafted same year, but Ja has played 204 games. Right. Zion's played 85. Yeah. I mean, come on now. Like, right sooner or later, we have to address the real issues. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. Mm -hmm. And the main thing in basketball is, are you going to be on the court? Are you available? He's missed 149 games of the Pelicans' 234 since she showed up. Yes. I just don't understand. It's not a good business decision. To supermax it. When we have conversations like this, people be like, man, why are you hating on his bread? I don't care what he make. I ain't going to see none of it. I just don't know that it's a wise business decision for the Pelicans to supermax it. Oh, man. I heard you in there and you said the main thing is if they're available. That ain't the main thing. You know, you don't get paid just because you played all the games. <laughs> you got to be playing when you're in the game. And that's what Zion does. I wonder... How your homeboys feel about when they talk to you about relationships and they try to give you some advice, single advice, and one day it's going to be marital advice. And they talk about that prenup because my boys try to bring me into that. I was like, I don't even want to hear it. She can have it. 
she can't take me. She can't take my talent. So she can have it. It's just money. I get it back. Don't trip. But I wonder, would you have told, uh, I don't know, the Golden State Warriors when they saw the ankleless one, Steph Curry, young in his career, unavailable, injured all the time. Would you have wanted a prenup for Steph Curry, I wonder? Or, or would you even marry Steph Curry? Or, or you just, just going to be single and date Steph Curry, cheat on him on the side? What would you do with a Steph Curry? And if you did that, Shouldn't you do that with a Zion? Because Zion has hit the ground running even faster than Steph Curry. So you got to respect but my that. My issue isn't with the signing of Zion. It is with the smacksing of Zion. Remember, I believe it was Steph Curry, mm, yeah. a four-year, $44 million deal. It was still kind of like a hey, big dog. Hey. You got to show me something. Now, yeah. keep in mind, inflation has hit. So that $44 million back then is still probably a $90 million deal yeah. right now. E -E. But I don't matter. Zion, get paid, young Zion. Get, get paid. paid. And don't eat it all up. Coming up, <laughs> Kevin Durant wants off out of Brooklyn. We'll tell you if his trade request will hurt his legacy. Next, don't speak for yourself. Let me get a 900 piece. <laughs> Kevin Durant is a 12-time All-Star and a two-time NBA champion. Since he came to Brooklyn three years ago, it has not all been positive. KD has zero finals appearances as a net, and now he reportedly wants to be traded. Acho, the Nets exit hurt Kevin Durant's legacy. Yeah, unfortunately, this exit does hurt his legacy. Sal, you know me, my equation for legacies. How many championships divided by how many teams did you play for? Oh. What is that number? Oh. Oh. The higher the number, the greater the legacy. Okay. Very simple. You think about Kobe Bryant, five championships divided by one team. That's five. LeBron James, you got four championships, three teams. Right, I believe 1.25, 1.33. But then you get to Kevin Durant. Two championships. <laughs> like it. We starting to talk about a whole bunch of teams. Three going on four, at least organizations. I won't talk about the, uh, the Supersonics. Mm. So with that being said, if legacy in my mind is truly dependent upon simplification-wise, how many championships over how many teams did you play for, mm. Kevin Durant is continuing to dilute <laughs> his legacy mm. by playing for more and more teams, unless uh -huh. he can win a championship. There you go. If he can go win another championship, by all means, you can keep that ratio of your legacy high. LeBron James goes to Miami, but he won a championship. Goes to L.A., but he won a championship. So when you look at LeBron James' legacy, oh, it's all good in the neighborhood because he's kept that ratio high. It's a very simple equation when you want to talk legacy. How many championships have you won? Chips won. How many teams have you played for? Uh, that will tell you your legacy. Wow. That's math right there. Basic math, Columbia. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, Kobe, five, one, Jordan, six, two, two. Uh, so Kobe's legacy is greater than Jordan. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay, I love you. Um, let's talk about KD's legacy. Can y'all let this finish? Can, you ever cheat on your calculator during a test? You know you have. I have. You hit the buttons. You hit the buttons. And none of that matters until you hit one more button. Equal. Can we wait to hit equal? Like this dude is doing this. Y'all like, oh, you imagine going to Six Flags and you like this. Okay, let me off. And everybody's like, nah, this ain't the time, B, because you ain't going to make it. Why are we in the middle of this ride? trying to judge it to that level. I remember in the middle of Kobe Bryant's talking about legacy and his dry times, his drought of championships, and then rebounded, right? You could talk about LeBron James, and he started off slow and then all of a sudden recovered. You could talk about Michael Jordan, started off slow and then got it all and then said, oh, okay, let me just tail off. It comes in so many sizes and shapes. So we got to respect Kevin Durant's may look a little different, but trust me, it's still a tremendous legacy. Now let's switch gears to the USFL and take a look back at all the action from the divisional championship round. 
Welcome to Canton, Ohio for the first semifinal in the USFL postseason. Where you can feel the buzz. Kevontae Turpin, the MVP of the league. How about this play to start things off? Victor Bolden. Nobody's going to catch him. See you later. Woo! Big hits. Bam, he gets crushed. My man laid some serious wood. Cookus, he's got room. Touchdown, Philadelphia. Hey, nice Jay Moore Smith, how about that for an answer? Perez picked off in a huge upset here in this USFL semifinal. <laughs> Let me get my rock. Let me get my rock, man. I'm back in this game, baby. <laughs> championship week. Get out of here with that weak stuff. Hey, that is how they do on championship week. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Look, it's championship week in the USFL. Oh. It's championship week in the USFL, oh, y'all, in USFL America. Now it's on. Yes. Friday. You already know. Uh, so we got to talk about some stars yes. that we got to watch Sunday on Fox. Marcellus, you start, all, start us off. Who's going to start a watch? Oh, you know me. I'm going to go in them trenches, and we're going to talk about my guy, defensive end, Adam Rodriguez, whose clutch sack against the Generals helped him out. Urgh, set up the winning touchdown. Okay, I see your muscles. Now let me see your play. And this play right here, the stars take a look. Right now. All right, this is me on the edge. I, told, I used to stand up. Never. But I'll be in this position where you get stalemated. Now, referee, you're right here. I know you can see this because I can see it. That's called holding. That's called holding. Now, me, I wouldn't get the sack on this play. But my man, spin out. Adam Rodriguez, spin smart. out. Spin out and spin in and get the win in that moment. Raw. I wish I would have done that because there are so many plays you, you were rushing past the quarterback. I was rushing past outside oh edge. Hell. Coach said alignment and assignment can even trump ability in that play. Awareness as well. Rule number one: pass rushing, big dog. Never rush past, past the quarterback. You already That's why I'm know. I'm up here with you now, dog. Well, look, big dog. Speaking of quarterbacks, I got to go with my guy, Jamar Smith, mm. the guy your guy Rodriguez will be trying to sack on this weekend, but it's going to be hard because Jamar not only can use his legs, but he can also use is mine. Dual threat. Incredible recognition from the pocket. You're going to see my dog. It's a zero blitz. That means it's one-on-one on the outside. Linebackers on a little cross stunt trying to mix up the center. Jay Moore keeps his eyes down the field. He understands he has man across the board because they're bringing six with only five protectors. Ball has to come out hot right now. Jay Moore Smith, knowing it has to come out hot, he's going to throw it before his receiver even breaks out of his route. Receiver hasn't gotten out the break. Ball's in the air. Just like that, you're going to see an easy Tug, Jay, Mar Smith, getting busy. Mm, man, getting busy. Speaking of getting busy, it's the inaugural USFL championship game. Busy time. Live from the Pro Football Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton. Birmingham Stallions, Philadelphia Stars go head-to-head in a quest to take home the historic first title. Sunday, 7.30 Eastern on Fox. Coming up, is Kevin Durant actually making the right decision to leave Brooklyn? Or answer that. Knox, don't speak for yourself. Shut down corner today. Get my money. Kevin Durant wants to be traded by the Nets, according to reports. And the Suns and Heat are on his wish list as new destinations. KD came to Brooklyn three years ago with Kyrie Irving, and his team has not made it past the conference semifinals. I child. Kevin Durant making the right decision, man? Yes. When it comes down to it, yes. And it's very, very simple. He realizes 
He cannot win a championship in Brooklyn with Kyrie Irving, and he probably can't win a championship with Kyrie Irving, period. So, yes, he is making the right decision. At the end of the day, don't stay in a relationship if you know it's not going to work out. There it is. Now, we can laugh at Kevin Durant for making the wrong decision to get in, yeah. in the relationship. We can laugh at Kevin Durant for breaking up with his former partner, the Golden State Warriors. But at the end of the day, just because we are going to laugh at you for leaving does not mean you shouldn't leave. Yeah. And Kevin Durant, get out. You still have championships in your future, hopefully, for the sake of the National Basketball Association for the sake of debate, opinion-based shows like ours. I want to see if Kevin Durant can get to three, get to four. Was KD better than LeBron? Keep that action going. And for Kevin Durant's legacy, I hope he wins more. The only way to win more, to get out. Yeah, he made the right decision. Um, I think he had a heart of hearts with Kyrie Irving, with himself, and just had that conversation and asked about the commitment levels around him. And that's one thing you can't do. Ask somebody about their commitment. You got to see it. Gotta, mm. And what I've seen from you guys doesn't add up to what you're telling me right now in this moment. So it's time for me to go. Now, where you're going, no perfect options out there. Let's just be real about this. Because on paper, wherever you go, I would challenge that staying in Brooklyn may look as good compared to like Ben Simmons, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant. Or you could say, oh, well, him and Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler can go down there in Miami and do something. But the point being is Kevin Durant realizes I need to be somewhere where everyone is all in. Everyone is committed. And then you talk about the guy who just exited being the best player on the planet, number two, potentially. He got to go somewhere and go get that next chip. Coming up, several players got the bag last night, did they? But we'll tell you who the biggest winner of the all-season is so far. That's next on Speak for Yourself. That bizzard. That bizzard. Several NBA stars signed extensions with their teams last night, including John Morant, Devin Booker. Nikola Jokic got a super max that broke the record for the largest deal in league history. Acho. Who's the biggest winner of the offseason so far? Man, for me, it's that man right there. You see clapping, clapping, Nikola Jokic, uh, big dog behind yeah, us. Yeah. Um, I got to think about this, and I think about this incredible story. Nikola Jokic from Serbia. Okay. Serbia, roughly 7 million people in that country. Average annual salary, $11,000. Dang. Nikola Jokic just signed for 231 the opportunity to opt in for 60 mil when it's all said and done. Uh. Look at look up Nikola Jokic's story. Said his brothers used to throw knives at him. Yeah. That's why y'all better stop trying. <laughs> hey, 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 you see his brothers? Hey, yeah, they gonna catch that action. <laughs> for me, he won the most, all things considered. Uh, for me, it's John Morant because he was able to cash in on his brilliance, his greatness, and he's so captivating. And more than that, when you're not the number one overall pick, you always feel slighted. And it's feeling good right now in this moment to have that celebration. Let me get that one more. I gotta go James Harden as well. Huh. Because he got to avoid this dumpster fire and bring going it on in Brooklyn, and, big and, dog. Yeah, yeah, and it's like so cool in Philadelphia right now. Now it's a dumpster fire there as well. They fell short as well. He, he didn't win. He had to turn down a forty-nine million dollar match. Aren't you kind of looking like, thank God I got out of there? Yeah, I got out of there. And I had to pay for it. He, he had to. Oh, I don't want to opt in. Who doesn't opt in to fit that million dollars, <laughs> boy? <laughs> you the biggest loser. That's it for us. Y'all have a great weekend out there. James Harden, uh, go get your money back, bro. What you doing? Don't get no chip like that. <laughs> uh, that who